Welcome to Strip It Back, the podcast which helps to simplify life and live in the moment with Joanne Panetta and Renee Talia. Hello and welcome to Strip It Back. Here we are for another week. Joanne, how are you this afternoon? Oh, I'm good. I'm here. I'm cozy under the blankets in my bed and just embracing a beautiful, slow and gentle day. It's just the right day for it. Yes. Good. Mm, it looks beautiful. like you are honouring yourself. So that's beautiful. I sure am. I sure am. In true light of our, uh, you know, self-care and looking after ourselves and showing up and being authentic, this is me in my bed with a cup of tea, under the blanket, ready to share and communicate again with everyone today. How are you? I'm going well today, yeah. Everything's feeling good. I was pretty excited to jump on and see your face mm. and really excited to dive into our next conversation. But before we do, what oil do you have there today? Well, I have gone for a blend today. Um, so I'm using Claricalm, which is the monthly blend for women. So um, it's the, my go-to when I'm feeling a little bit sluggish and crampy during my cycle and it's been a godsend for me um, today and, you know, this week. So it's beautiful. But the key ingredient is clary sage and it just smells so nurturing and fabulous so if you can share with us a little bit about clary sage that would be amazing well clary calm which is the one that you're holding it says about um the assistance in relationships and mm-hmm. individuals to be emotionally open and vulnerable which oh nice pretty much where we are and what we do with our conversation mm-hmm and then let me flick. I should have had this ready, but that's okay. We'll just choose true our style. Mm-hmm. Um, oh, Clary Sage is known for clarity and vision, which is great changing perspective, which is <laughs> going to be beautiful for where we're about to go in conversation. Seriously, there's no coincidence ever, ever. I let's be authentic. I was like, I have to share about Clary Calm today because it's gotten me through a day. And now when you have a look at what Clary Sage also brings, what a perfect time for us to introduce our topic today. Mm. So So we really want to dedicate this episode to a profession that's quite dear and passion of ours and Mm. how we met. So Mm -hmm. forever so grateful. And that is that of the teaching profession. Oh, the heroes at the moment, you know, they're just like this is a topic and a conversation that just needs to be had because there are so many incredible, gifted, selfless, magical humans who choose to become teachers. And for people that are listening that aren't educators, what we are hoping to do today is to give you and open and hopefully give you some perspective about these superheroes that need to be acknowledged during this time of remote teaching, particularly here in Victoria. So we both live in Victoria and at the moment our educators have been doing this for a long time. So hats off to teachers and this is exactly who we want to dedicate um, our episode to today. And we're doing this through the divine lens of our feminine series, knowing that the teaching profession is a high proportion of 
females in the profession. Mm-hmm. But nevertheless, we do acknowledge that there are males in the profession too, and this acknowledgement goes to everyone that works within education. Absolutely, absolutely. And I think um, this is a great conversation for us to really explore um, this whole concept of masculine and feminine energy, right? Because it's not just about females having feminine and men having masculine, right? Um, It's about the polarity and the dance between the two. And educators are um, people and humans who choose to be of service in their career, right? And anyone who chooses to be of service in a nurturing way is very naturally tapping into that divine feminine. But interestingly enough, you know, we've been there, we've done it, we've multitasked like the best of us. Maybe you can explore and discuss a little bit about how the masculine energy comes in with teachers and it's something that needs to be acknowledged. Yeah, There is no profession that I know that could be any more masculine driven than the teaching profession. Mm. And maybe I am going in it with rose coloured glasses, but having now stepped out of the teaching world, I can see that what I thought was purely more uh, feminine dominant in the sense of the nurturing, when I've stepped out, I can actually see that there is a lot more masculine presence in there. And I mean by the amount of structure in one's day, the blocks of time that you dedicate to each lesson, to when you're told to have your lunch time, to when you're told to take your toilet breaks, all of the above is very structured. And that's just from a daily level. Then you have multiple levels of the structure, which I might throw back at you, given that you're still in a school, Mm. what are the other layers of the structure that teachers need to deal with in their delivery of what they're doing right now in this sense? as, As you remember when we were working together, you know, there is a lot of planning that goes into how we teach. Now, what people who aren't educators may not know is that there is this ability to juggle information and feedback coming from a range of stakeholders. So we've got parents, students, government bodies, um, independent education, leadership. Now, all of our planning and everything has to happen. So not only do teachers have to think about their 25 to 28 little humans, depending on what context of school you work in, they also have to consider planning, like curriculum planning, having an extensive knowledge of the curriculum and where to embed that, making sure they check off the data and all of the information that comes from, I guess, governing bodies and education boards that need to be achieved. Throw into that mix managing the emotions, the structures, the challenges that playgrounds and social interaction happens with children. Like anyone who's a primary school teacher will know that bell going at lunchtime where you have to brace yourself and think, right, not only do I have to think about the maths lesson and the concept of fractions that I need to differentiate for the 28 children in my class, but I'm also going to have little Jimmy and little Johnny come in from the playground who possibly haven't had the best play, who maybe have made not so great choices or who are so overstimulated from being outside and running to be able to access all of that learning. So there's that really intense structure and time management and people management to be able to literally think of 28 little individuals 
and possibly the impact that they've had outside and so on and so forth, let alone running in with your high-vis vest and your your first aid bag because you've been on yard duty helping another child from a different class who's fallen over or fallen sad. It's an incredible amount of cogs turning all at once that, oh, my goodness. Lots of tasks happening. Exactly. And that's just the bare minimum. So then take into account that, you know, a meeting's called for your curriculum department because there's been a change in how we're teaching English next week and, oh, whoops, don't remember in two weeks' time we've got to have our data for the reports. And then it's like, oh, hang on, the wellbeing coach has come in and just shared that there's a family who are struggling and we need to adjust the curriculum for that family, let alone the six different learning needs in your classroom. Oh, hang on a second, what about you know, to the meeting tonight that you're presenting at. Like I'm even just sitting here going, oh, my God, that's there's so just so you're, much. If you're a listener and you're exhausted by already <laughs> what Joanne has mentioned, I think this is probably the key here mm. that we want to get across is that these human beings are dealing with multiple layers, not just the 25 humans or so that are in the classroom. Not mm. to let didn't even mention, I'm not sure if you were going to go there, There, are, these humans have their own family and networks outside of school as well. And then you've also got to throw in the mix the art teacher, the PE teacher, the load teacher who actually take care of every child in that school. So, like, there is just so many facets to consider and these human beings, these vessels, so myself included, are consistently thinking of hundreds of things in a day, hundreds at least. And if we don't take the time to acknowledge that and to celebrate what an incredible human it takes to be an educator and appreciate that, there's what we call teacher burnout and um, the best educators are going to leave the profession. So it is exhausting. We've been through that journey together. We've worked at one of the busiest schools in the world you know, yeah. and, and, we, and we found ways to manage that. Now, that's where this interesting Clary Sage comes in because perspective, right? Exactly. We have to have perspective. Do you want to unlock a little bit about um, perspective and, and maybe where we are challenged, whether we are parents, teachers, students, like how do we kind of get perspective for every part? I believe perspective still comes back to having a bit of an awareness and you need to be able to cultivate this awareness within yourself. And I feel that I'm going to go back to a lot when we talk together that having a person or an accountability buddy that can, you know, be your ear to maybe change your your perspective of, honouring what you still need to show up and do but also honouring yourself and believing and trusting in that all those things will get done but you need to leave now because you've got to take this time for you. And this Mm. is where I feel that sometimes we can be our own worst critics and our own, you know, not do do ourselves, I guess, an unjust by always doing the next thing and teachers, I saw this a lot and see it through some of the clients that I work with that they're continuing to serve, serve, serve and there comes to what you're talking about, this burnout point. Mm. So to have someone that can call you out and we are definitely that that person for each other, 
mm-hmm. now even, <laughs> as well as when we were teaching together. Yeah. And it really helps you to gain a perspective that's going to be in service for you. So by this meaning, you know, well, what story am I running right now that I, I can't have this time for me? Mm. Uh, what can I use? You've, you've got a tool there that you've used today for yourself. But there are always these elements in life that you can use. So mm. I know for me, meditation, I always say, is time that I cultivate um, and I don't just mean sitting there kumbaya for hours. It is a walking meditation in what I do in life so that I can acknowledge when triggers do come up and not be so reactive in, in situations. And I think that that's a, a big key because reactions will just cause more reactions. You know? Exactly, that ripple effect, that ripple effect. And if you don't for me what comes through clearly Renee when you're speaking is the importance of communication and boundaries which are episodes that we've covered back you know season one and revisited in season two you talked about a skill set and a strategy like you have to be able to communicate clearly and acknowledge when you are feeling the overwhelm but then also once you acknowledge that so what You've got to actually take action on it. And for some people, it may be leaving work early to go and have a surf. For other teachers, it might be jump in the car, drive down and get a coffee, listen to your favourite music while you're cutting a lap of the river. For some, it's a yoga class. And for some, it's going home and pouring a beautiful glass of wine that they love and eating cheese with the people that they care about. Whatever it is that takes you away from that is really important, actioning it. But then I want to go back a little bit further because you said tools and strategies and you'd sort of take on all this extra stuff. For me, it's actually about boundaries. Now, I remember when we started teaching together, we worked at a really, you know, highly intensive, Mm. high-demand school. And one of the biggest things that I learned very early in my career is the importance of speaking boundaries. Now, one way that families communicate regularly with teachers is through email or through the pop-in meeting after school. Now, something that I did and what I learned very quickly, particularly in my second and third year, is if you don't put a boundary up around that and if you don't have the skills and the mentoring from teachers around you to communicate that effectively, then that's where the problem lies, you know. And I remember learning, so a friend of ours is Jacinta, so she was my mentor teacher when I was a graduate and she gave me some advice. She said, you need to learn to grow a thick skin, a big heart and effective communication in order to be a successful teacher. And she's right. So the thick skin is when, you know, maybe you get that email or that challenging parent, you've kind of got to go, oh, I've got to be able to not react exactly what you said because reaction leads to reaction leads to reaction then you need to be able to speak these boundaries. Now, I was famous for on my parent welcome night saying, you can see I'm high energy, I'm a lot, like kids are going to always get me at my peak, but if I can't switch off and if I don't switch off my mind, my teacher mode, I'm not going to be that for your kids each day. So I won't reply to your emails after a certain time. But I also acknowledge as a mama or a dad, you've worked all day and you might only be able to write that at 10 o'clock at night. So that's okay too. And then it's that communication and building that relationship and seeing that we're all human. 
and I think, may I speak freely and from my heart, being unable to have that human connection in schools at the moment, it's a little bit lost. And um, I think families and teachers aren't feeling connected and possibly not feeling heard either way. So what what are your thoughts on that? Because that's a really honest reflection that I'm kind of noticing at the moment in my world. Mm, yeah. Mm. I love that you said about the boundaries in the emails because I'm just reflecting back and I think that's really important to have and know that when you're sending that off, that you're sending it from a space of, you know, renewed energy, not just the reaction. I think right now too, I agree with you 100% that there is a little bit of disconnect in the communication Mm. and I can only go off my cousin calling me over the weekend and and asking for a little advice with my teacher hat on and, and from a curriculum stance point of how do I need to get this done for my child and is it really important that my seven-year-old um, is proficient at this writing skill right now? So there's parents really wanting to do their best. Like I really feel that. They want to be doing the best for their child teachers still setting curriculum because they want to do the best for their students and then there's the big elephant I think too at the moment is that oh I don't even know if it's enough I believe that teachers and parents really both just want the kids to be well and happy and flourishing but both have different pressures going on on the end and it's like I I sit here in my silence is that I just don't have the answer really in the sense of they we all want the best but all these agendas seem to take take precedence and that is the burnout that can sometimes get caught up but ultimately everyone wants the best for that child absolutely and And I just yeah sorry it starts with also leading yourself too so that you can show up as the best for that child and I think we've got to come back to that because we don't give kids enough credit they pick up energies us adults have being so conditioned into almost putting on this hat and being like, yes, we're going to be there for for you and not not show you all the layers of what's going on. But by doing that, we're actually underestimating the sheer potential of real smarts that kids have and the energies that they can pick up. And I I know of friends that... um, the things have happened in this time with their kids where they're feeling a lot more anxious and it's because things aren't being expressed in a authentic manner or in a manner I don't know this is more your field that you're seeing probably more at Mm. the moment with Mm. you're working with like but definitely I feel to lead yourself to lead the kids it is definitely a chain reaction but what reaction do we want to have? And that's where we come back to the perspective. 
Yep, and the awareness of that. As you were talking, I get this really instant thing of like, yes, there's going to be differing perspectives from families at the moment. Yes, there's going to be differing perspectives from teachers, but the the intention is ultimately that little human in the middle and love. But as you were speaking, we were talking about perspectives. All the things that teachers juggle in the profession, it just made me instantly think of being a parent and all the things that parents juggle, like... I think about my mum raising us four children and the amount of human management and everything that she would have had to do just to get us out the door, like four kids, imagine that. So I think I also more importantly want to acknowledge our teachers who are parents too. Can you imagine at the moment being a mama or a papa and a full-time educator? So, yeah, there's just so many people out there that, are really, really stepping up and doing everything possible for these little humans. And I just think, once again, acknowledging families, acknowledging their teachers and acknowledging the whole community that wraps around this little human is essential because ultimately, you are right, Renee, we can sit here and talk about what an incredible job the teachers are doing. We can sit here and talk about what an incredible job the parents are doing and maybe give some strategies around how that communication and that connection can come together because, again, it's all about community. Mm. But what the conversation ultimately needs to constantly have the perspective of is that little human, Mm. the most precious commodity of those parents and let me tell you as a teacher without children we love our students we wake up in the middle of the night we think about them and can I tell you right now as a well-being adjustments coach it's impossible that I don't think about the children that I'm working with and the teachers that I'm working with and the families that I'm working with I have a pen and paper next to my bed at night so that if I wake up and think of something I quickly write it down that's a strategy that I use in order for me to get back to sleep and be of service the next day Mm. so there's just so many people wrapping around this little human and if we can all work together and um, appreciate the different perspectives that everybody's bringing and the challenges of this time oh my goodness just imagine what resilient incredible young humans we're going to all be a part of raising yeah and just to be kind to yourself too like you're listening right now and you're you're in agreement that it's for the for the children but also that doesn't diss your self-care either. Exactly. That is being kind <clears throat> to yourself. And we are always, as human beings, our own worst critic. And you're doing a great job mm. uh, and just know know that you are. Yeah. And I think of, um, you know, another community that you and I are um, provide, I guess we contribute our services to is a community of teachers um, that we have a Facebook community for called Be Well, Teach Well. In that space, we have people that have a range of tools and strategies to help teachers really activate that self-care and that really important reflection and time to, I guess, decompress, particularly in this time. So also know that you're not alone and that there are so many humans that do acknowledge the hard work that teachers do. Um, principals, everyone in the school community at the moment, I just can't fathom. I can only see it through my lens, you know, and also the lens of teachers because I've been in that position. I've been on leadership teams before. I've been in curriculum teams before. Every single human 
that is wrapped around that little person, there are people out there that can support you to help you find your your little thing or things to help you stay grounded. So big shout out to our Be Well, Teach Well community and for the people who facilitate and support, um, you know, sharing strategies to help educators. We can't do it on our own. So thank you to those people. Mm, mm. Yes. Amazing. Really Amazing. powerful. Really powerful. I, I just sit here and I'm, I'm sitting in reflection and awe about you know, this is a women's series that we're kind of diving into at the moment um, and part of being a strong, powerful woman is having the courage to step out, use your voice, care for yourself and I really, I'm proud of both of us for being able to take our teaching knowledge and now this knowledge of self and be able to mesh it together. So it's pretty cool and I love, I love doing life with you because we can have these conversations and even when we're talking, I get another pearl of nu- or a nugget of wisdom from you or I go, oh, this is something else I could try. So, yeah, it's really powerful. Women coming together, it's the way to go. Oh, and it, it's, it's beautiful. And I think the more and more that women can find spaces where they can drop in, actually drop into their body, then, oh, it can only be um, a magical space and bring the vulnerability that is, is needed into our, our world. Yeah. I'm sure at, with your business at the moment, if you don't mind me asking, have you got um, a wide variety of pe- women that are coming to get support? Have you got some educators currently working with you and, and approaching their health and well-being? And I guess what tools and strategies are you sharing with them? Yeah, uh, I definitely have a wide range of people working with me and I think that that the first step is for people to take the step themselves to acknowledge that they are wanting to make some kind of change. And 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 that being it might be just a, a spot on a yoga mat. That's mm-hmm. the initial first inkling that person might work with me. And then the second one might be joining a group just monthly we've spoken about our our book club which is just a non-invasive way to come and share in story and vulnerability through a text that would would work exactly like you would with a mentor text in the classroom with kids we choose one around empowerment and we get to really delve into what's going on in life and that's really beautiful because every time a woman shares you get something back just as powerfully for yourself, which is what you are talking about with us. Exactly. And then the third way is actually through a coaching series, um, which is being launched actually more deeply next month. And so there'll be spaces there. And that is really to delve into the self and what can be cultivated for you to come into alignment with yourself? Because often what people have, or I know this was definitely where my dis-ease was when I was wearing all these hats and my energy was being leaked everywhere, that until I really came back to my core essence of what, what's my truth and my, my core purpose, 
and being able to align all my energies and knowing my own body constitution and working with it rather than against it because for many years and we had Philippa on the episode last week and if you haven't listened to that go back and listen but we talk about having your body constitution and when you're working in alignment with this as well you are flourishing with your energy and you have a greater awareness and a clearing to be able to empty and then have this energy to be of service if when we're not working in this nice alignment with it then it can feel all a little bit stagnant and all over the place and that's part of where burnout can really come from as well so it's Mm. really a coaching because we know that 21 days you cultivate a habit and 90 days is really embedding so there's a reason why the coaching is a three-month series it's to go with you not to make that change it's not a quick fix it is to be able to embed things and have an accountability we always talk about each other being our greatest accountabilities and other than each other, we've both got separate coaches and yeah. that is what keeps us in the game of keeping on levelling up for ourselves because mm. we can't really control what's happening out there in the, at the moment with the multi-layers of systems, governments, but what we can invest in is the most important home and that's ourselves. When mm. we do that, then we're of service to everyone else and we can lead from a space of pure love. And as a true educator modeling that behavior children are sponges they pick up things around you other humans pick up on your energy and there's no there's no coincidence your vibe attracts your tribe so Mm -hmm. for all of you that are listening that you're seeking and looking for people who get it we're here we we are so open and I actually shared about our book club with a couple of teachers from my school so they've joined which is really exciting um a little bit of self-care in that way like it's huge so I'm going to put a question out there for people listening um if you are a teacher if you know a teacher if you have any connection to a teacher what is something beautiful that you can do to acknowledge them in this moment Um, I really want this episode to be a moment for us to take stock and reflect and acknowledge you never know how your words could impact that human being on any given day. And then I also want to put a little thing out there to a parent, an auntie, an uncle, a guardian who's caring for a little human. If you're connected to someone who is homeschooling at the moment, what can you do in order to lift their spirits too? Because Anyone at the moment who is partaking in this new way of education, if we're going to even call it that, that's a whole conversation to unpack, you know, we've just got to give them a round of applause and say thank you for everything that you're doing. So a bit of appreciation for our teachers and our families who, again, all come back to that little human. Oh, so, so important. And um, I hope that teachers who are listening just know you're amazing you're actually amazing Mm. and that's a wrap I know right how quick how quick does 30 minutes go when you just speak from like your heart seriously Mm. it's incredible and so in true style in what we're acknowledging others to do what's your little small appreciation for today 
Mine's super simple today. There's a really lovely um, tea that Twinings make called sleep tea Mm. and I'm addicted to it and I just love it. It's so deliciously sweet. It's got a bit of orange, a bit of lavender and when I'm feeling like this need to be cosy, I literally make a little teapot of that and I drink it in bed while I'm reading or, you know, relaxing and it's just joyous and I've had like three cups of it today. I'm obsessed. So that's my small win. It's so simple but so delicious. So good. And what about for you? Um, For me it was actually lunch, not because my lunch, it was that Joseph had, um, I thought he was taking the whole leftovers to work and he left me a bowl. He obviously divided it and I was like, yes, winning. I don't need to make my lunch today. How good is that? So that was my little small win. That's so good. So good food. It's always food and food and I drink know, with us anyway. Now, before I go, speaking of food and drink, remember last week I had a chat with my nonna, just quickly for those people who were listening last week, right? Remember how Philippa talked about um, what, how women, you know, back with the red tent and that incredible text that she shared with us, why they were told to get out of the kitchen and not touch the food and it made me think about when nonna would yell at me for touching the olives when I was on my cycle. So we had a cup of tea and we talked about it and I said, no, no, like what was that about? No joke. She looked at me and she said, I don't know, my mum told me, so I'm just telling you. And I said, so is it just like an old wife's tale? She said, well, it was obviously because my mum didn't want to do all the jobs and she wanted to have an excuse not to be in the kitchen. I cracked up and then I was like, (laughs) hang on, so all this time and she said, Then I told her the story about how Philippa was saying, oh, you know, it was to keep, she said, yeah, that makes sense. We just needed an excuse back then to get out of the kitchen and have a rest. And I just (laughs) laughed. I'm like, seriously, she's something else, my nonna. I was waiting for some divine wisdom and she's like, I don't know, my mum just told me that. So I told your mum and now we tell you. And I'm like, oh, my God. Isn't that funny, though, because there must be an essence to why these things have started and that, Maybe the meaning of it gets lost along the way, but we just keep changing it. We just change it. So I, I just had to share that because I know that was my homework. So oh, thank you good. for letting me slip that one in. I was like, oh, I've got to tell you about what Nonda said about the olives and the sauce. But there you go. Um, right, awesome. Catch you all soon. And thank you again for your great support of Strip It Back. Thank you for tuning in to Strip It Back. And if you're listening on Apple Podcasts, we'd really appreciate it if you could kindly leave us a review. 